And so as we, the last couple of weeks, as we hit these first two, we discovered very clearly that God starts the, the whole teaching, the whole covenant, as he describes it, of the Old Testament, that which we sometimes call the law, that he starts it off with how to relate to him as our God. Significant way to start this off. He says basically, look, if we're going to start this covenant, if we're going to have this, you've got to understand, if you don't put me first, if you don't look to me first as your God, then none of it really will matter anyway. And we have to have that as our starting place. Now in a time, in a day and age, when especially when they just came out of slavery, in a very polytheistic, many, many gods, many ways of worship, this was very important that God solidified, I am your God, I took care of you, I brought you out of slavery. And then he goes on to say, look, and to make this tangible, really to make you understand, don't go and make idols and bow down and worship those idols. Something was very, very commonplace in the day. Melt down things, make them into some image of whatever you want to worship, and then worship that. And God said, don't create those tangible errors. If you create those tangible things, you just make it that much easier for you to go ahead and to put those gods first. That's how he starts off this. Then he hits this third one, which I would say, uh, as we look at this, you might look at this one and I would guess none of you, especially if you're a believer in Jesus today, uh, none of you would say, yeah, I don't really believe in that one, Tom. Um, but I think we skim over this one quicker than we skim over some others. We kind of fly past this one as if we just say, yeah, yeah, I'm good with that, and we move on. And I'm not sure that we really look at how it is implemented throughout our lives and what's really being said here at the very beginning. There was a college student once. He was sitting in a large lecture hall, 300 students kind of lecture hall. You've seen these, right, before? And so he's sitting in this lecture hall, and they're taking a test. And this test, there was a time allotment for the test. And uh, like I used to do in school, I was always pushing the clock. Do you, you know what I'm saying? You're always battling the clock. You're looking up, I got 10 left, there's the clock. And thinking, while well, I get done, well, this kid blew right past the time. Time came and ended. He was the only one left in a 300-seat lecture hall. The professor up front was pretty ticked by this point that he was staying later than the time allotted here. Finally, the student finished the test, and he went up front. In front of him was the stack of tests of all the kids that had handed in their tests. And on the other side of a big desk was this professor. And the professor, very upset, said, Look, don't even bother. Don't even bother turning that in. You went over the allotted time. You have failed this test. And the student looked at the professor and said, but Do you know who I am? And the professor said, look, I don't care who you are. Uh, the rules apply to everyone across the board. I gave the time. Uh, you fail. And the student said, no, no, let me ask it a different way. Do you know what my name is? And the professor, so upset, said, look, it's 300 students in here. I've never taken roll call. Uh, you know I don't know what your name is. And so the student very quickly lifted up the pile of paper, stuffed his in, set it back down, and headed right out the door. <laughs> I think you should get an A just for smart thinking there. A name's important. Isn't your name important? I mean, think about how, uh, what you think when you come up and you tell somebody, my name is Tom. And then the next time I see them, five minutes down the road, a week down the road, maybe a year later, they say, Tom, right? That immediately connects me with them. It immediately endears me to them. But they would think enough 
you'll remember that. No, I don't know what happened. Maybe they went around the corner and said, hey, that guy over there, what, what's his name? They say, his name's Tom. Okay, and then they came up and made it look like them. I don't know. But even the fact that they would go ask somebody means it's significant enough to them that they know. Our names are important. It's important. Now, in our culture, especially in our, you know, our very contemporary American culture, probably the meaning of, na- of names has probably lost its touch. Um, I was not named Tom because Tom means something significant. I was named Tom Thomas Christopher because it was a character on, I think it was a Guiding Lights, or As the World Turns. Um, that's the truth. It's a true story. Um, but nonetheless, our names are significant. Significant. And so it would make perfectly good sense that when we talk about the name of God, that God would say, look, this name is significant. And you should be very careful how you use this name. Now, let me be honest with you. When I'm out uh, golfing or doing something that sometimes leads to frustration, you know what I'm talking about? Um, I don't cuss. I want to tell you that. This is not a holier-than-thou statement. But I just, I don't. Third grade was the last time I've said, you know, one of these, quote-unquote, this list of cuss words that we use in our culture often. And I, I was all by myself, and I said it sliding down a slide, and it was as if I thought my mom was going to hear it and be standing right next to me. I've been petrified of that since. So, but there is something I say if I miss a shot in golf, if I do something. I say, Thomas! For some reason, that, that's my cuss word, saying my own name. <laughs> If it's really bad, I'm like, Thomas, win! Uh, and it's, it's like defaming my own name. And when I say that, can I tell you, I know exactly what I mean when I say it. All right? I don't just mean, you know, hey, Thomas Raven. Hey, that's you. You're the guy. No, I meant, you idiot. What are you doing? How could you hit a shot like that? You know, how? That's what I'm thinking when I say that. It would make perfectly good sense. That God, in the very beginning here, when he's teaching us how to interact with him, when he's starting this covenant off by saying, hey, if we have any hope of following this covenant, we're going to lay a little groundwork here, it would make very good sense that God would say, be very careful with my name. Be careful. If you were with me golfing, you might say, you know, Tom, you shouldn't say your name like that. You're a valuable person. God created you. God loves you. You know, we love you, or some of us love you. I mean, you would say things like that, kind of build me up and say, you know, your, your name's important, Tom. And I would say, you know, you're right. It's, we're right. We're always right when we say that to each other. How much more so than God, that we take it very seriously and careful. So let's just break down this verse for just a minute, just so you know these aren't my words, but God's words. If you've got your Bible, Exodus chapter 20, verse 7 is what we're looking at. All right? Here's what he says. He says, You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Why is this so important? Here's what I think. All throughout the Bible, when we hear about God's name, in the Old Testament, it's often dis- de- uh, defiling the name of the Lord is a phrase that's used over and over. In the New Testament, we hear often about claiming things in the name of Jesus. And so we get this thing about name all the way through the Bible. Here's what I think when we, when we take names important, especially God and Jesus' name, it reveals something about our heart. Two things. It reveals our heart. What's at the center of our heart? And the second thing it does is it reveals your witness. 
what are you showing to other people? What are other people seeing as well? So really, it, it talks about the internal, and it talks about the external as well. The inward, and then the outward as well. And so we'll get to that as we take a look, as we jump into this. Misuse. Do not misuse the name of the Lord. Do you know what the word means in Hebrew there, this misuse? Maybe some of you have memorized it in the King James Version of the Bible, and you remember, don't take the Lord's name in vain, is how it's described there. The word in Hebrew basically means to make empty. Think about it that way. Don't make empty the name of God. Don't use God's name in a way that makes God's name empty. Meaning that all of who God is, the the all-powerful, the omnipotent, this God, that when we use his name incorrectly, we have basically emptied him of who he really is. We said, I'm not described him that way when we use his name incorrectly. Do you understand what, what I'm saying there in that? That's the word misuse here. Misrepresent this name here. And interesting, in the second sentence there, he says, the Lord will not let you go unpunished. Some of your translations say, you will not be guiltless. In other words, it says, look, if you use the name of the Lord's name, if you use the name of the Lord, or if you misuse, excuse me, the name of the Lord, then you stand guilty of something. You seem guilty. You are in the wrong, is what he's saying here in the very beginning. And God can't let go that, that act. So it's so important for God in the very beginning to say, don't misuse the name of the Lord. But let's look a little bit deeper uh, in this. So our first thing is, let's just, let's just take a look at it. Because usually, I don't think we take a look, a close look, at this. And so I want to make sure we do uh, this morning. Two things in the culture at the time. Two things that are maybe a little bit different and maybe, maybe the same today. Number one thing is that gods were often manipulated in the Old Testament, and especially in this time. Now, meaning that it wasn't that other cultures didn't worship different gods. They did. They bowed down. They worshiped. Happened right there in the wilderness. Even the people of God who created a, a golden calf and they worshiped it. But see, they worshipped it in its presence. Meaning, if there was the idol, they would bow down, they would worship, and they would pray to that idol. When they were away from that idol, they didn't pray to that idol. Because the power was in the idol. And so when they were out in the fields and they were doing their things, they might even go so far to curse the name of the God. I can't believe we don't have any crops growing here. And they might curse the name of that God didn't really matter because they weren't in the presence of the idol. But when they were in the presence, then they would bow down and they would worship because they saw this power coming from this tangible idol figure. The equivalent I might think of when I was thinking today is that when we look at our horoscope, we read it and, and we don't bow down and worship the paper as we're reading it, but we look at that with great significance thinking, wow, that would be great if that came to my life today. Oh, I better be careful of that today. Um, and we look at that with, with great interest. But when we go throughout our day, we don't necessarily worship that horoscope. We kind of move on with our day and we do our, our day. That's the culture of the time. And so the thought of a relational God who was with you wherever you might go was very, very different to the culture, especially the culture of Egypt that they just came out of. 
you remember God is establishing covenant with his people, he is basically telling them, look, I am a God who wants to relate and connect with you. So there's one thing. Here's the second thing. In the culture of the day, name was very significant. Very, very significant. I want to make a confession to you this morning. We're kind of family, so this doesn't go out of this room, right? So I'm a, I'm a big Guys and Dolls fan. You know the musical, Guys and Dolls? I am. I, I'm sorry, gentlemen. I know that when you look at me often, you see a lot of macho-ness, but um, the truth of the matter is I saw it in high school, my senior year, um, and I've been kind of locked in ever, se- ever since. I even went and saw it when it was kind of the traveling Broadway show in Los Angeles. Um, if I had to this morning, and uh, I won't, I-, I could sing you all the songs in uh, Guys and Dolls. Uh, um, one time in a lip sync contest, I actually did the Sit Down, You're Rocking the Boat song from that. Um, so it's something that I, I don't know that I'm personally proud of, gentlemen, this morning, but the, the truth of the matter is I am. I'm locked into it. Um, but if you remember the musical, you will remember all throughout one of the big things that all these, these gambling tough guys used to always say was, I'll give you my maca. You know, they would say that. Meaning that all I'm going to do is sign my name on a sheet of paper and give it to you. And it means that's my word. That's my bond. Um, that you can hold me to this because I put my name on a piece of paper there. In the very last scene uh, of the movie, um, the big gambling scene underground um, when they're, they're playing craps. And <laughs> I told you I was into it. So, <laughs> the oldest established permanent floating crap game in New York. That's the game that's going on. And they're down in the sewer and they're rolling and and the main character, Scott Masterson, got so behind that here that he decided to roll all of them for their, their souls against their marker. So they all had to go to a prayer meeting if he won and the way they signified they would is they all wrote on a piece of paper their name and they handed it in and that was their marker. Could you imagine that today? <laughs> Granted, it's a movie, but could you imagine today that that's, that's all you needed to do? Like today, if I said, look, Mike Hague over here, you know, he's in charge of our trunk treat. If I said, look, Mike, if they sign up for trunk or treat, you know, then you hold them to that. Whatever you have to do, I mean, I, I don't care. Now, hire Guido to go beat them up. I don't, whatever you've got to do, you do that because they put their name down. I, you know, it would never hold up today. But in this Old Testament, name is significant. It's very, very significant. They would have understood that. And so we find that when Moses goes to God, or when he's with God and the, the bush is burning and God's speaking to him, and God says, here's what I want you to do, Moses. I want you all of them. I want you to go down, and I want you to tell Pharaoh, who's you know the head of Egypt, and he's got a big army and all this kind of stuff. Um, by the way, you're one of murder there. And I want you to go down, and I want you to tell them, hey, let my people go. Now that's silly. And Moses says, okay, well, who should I tell them sent me? And I'm positive that Moses was trying to end the whole thing. That if he just said, well, who should I tell them sent me? As if God wouldn't have a great answer for that. Here's what God says. Take a look at it in Exodus 3, 14. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am, the I am has sent me to you. Now, I know that 
there's some character will I am, but besides that, I can't think of I am being a big popular name that's been used um, uh, in, in, any time in my 41 years on earth. And God says, I am who I am. This is a, a present active tense. Do you know what that means? That It means that it's now, but it's a timeless fact. That's what's being said to him. This verb to be is really what the verb is. In fact, if you've learned any foreign language, you've always started with the verb to be as the first verb you learn. And basically, God is calling himself that. The present. I am here. I am right now. This is a timeless fact that will never go away. That's what God is calling himself here. So he says to Moses, when you go down there, here's the name you want to use. Don't just go down and say, hey, God sent me. Go down and say, look, the ever-present who will always be, that's who sent me down to you. That would have been more powerful for Pharaoh to hear. The name's important. Let's take a closer look, though, if, if you would, in, in section 2 there, because I think there's more at stake here. Um, what is the law of the Old Testament? Starts in Exodus here. We find it all throughout the first five books of the Bible. We call it the Pentateuch, those first five books. What is the law? It's a covenant. It's a covenant. It's an agreement between God and his people. Any of you in covenants today? Yeah, I'm sure you are. If you ever uh, signed any note with the bank uh, for your house or anything, you are in a covenant. They say, you give me money every month, and then we will not come take your thing away from you. That's basically, you're in covenant. There's probably more in those papers. I should probably read them. But that's the covenant that you are in, right? We understand covenant. Listen, when you went before the Lord at the altar... You made covenant with each other and with the Lord. You didn't make covenant with me as, as a pastor. You didn't make covenant with the people who came to watch. You made covenant with God. So you're under covenant if you're married here today. And the list goes on and on. You know, huge, big covenants all the way down to, you know, hey, I won't, I won't mow that far over in your yard anymore when you're talking to your neighbor. I mean, just covenants like that we make. We understand. That's what the law is. That's what the Old Testament uh, law is all about, this covenant between God and his people. And it's like God in the very beginning, he's saying here, look, look, if you're going to take this covenant seriously, well, let's take each other seriously. Let's take who we are seriously. You know, I'm your God who went and brought you out of slavery, out of Egypt, and I'm giving you, I'm giving you culture here in the law. And very soon from now, and much sooner had they not been obedient, I'm going to give you a promised land to live in as well. Uh, I'm taking care of you in that area. Let's, let's make sure at the beginning of this covenant that we respect and value who each other is. And one of the ways that we do this is how we speak about God. How we use his name is what he's saying in the very, very beginning. He's just saying, look, I'm not like those other gods. I'm not like what you saw in Egypt. I am different. During Adam and Eve, I walked and talked in the garden with them. We were friends. We had relationship. Those other gods are not like that. And so God is talking about saying, look, if we're going to keep this, if we're going to really do this, this oath here, then let's make sure we use each other's name properly. We find that this type of thing holds through 
as you start through the Old Testament, look in the book of Psalms, even in Proverbs, look through the, when you talk about the prophets and how the prophets speak, so often you hear them use these phrases as, as how they use God's name. Not to defy God's name or defile God's name, but to praise and to honor God's name. And that phrase over and over and over and over. Then we get to the New Testament and Jesus comes on the scene, right? And we have these followers of Jesus. These people who, who are committed to what Jesus is about, the Messiah, the one that God promised he would send, right? And we find it says, by, by no other name, but by the name of Jesus. If you claim the name of Jesus, we hear over and over in the New Testament. And then not too long down the road, we actually find that the believers, the followers, they get a new name in the book of Acts. We didn't create this name uh, in our church culture, you know, now or in our recent past, but it's actually in the book of Acts. If you look here, Acts chapter 11, verse 26, it was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. What does that mean to be called a Christian? It just means simply this, Christ-like or like Christ would be more properly in the Greek. That's what Christian meant. And so they had a name now. These followers of Jesus Christ, they had this name of Christian. So why is that important? Because it's what they're called. It's what they're called. And that's incredibly significant. Let me ask you, do you view yourself today, the title as Christian, do you view that as significant? Is it important to you? Is it valuable to you? I think for some of us, incredibly valuable. For other of us, I don't know if we've wrestled with that question or thought that question. What we're called. But see, here's the thing, that, why it's so important. Because what we are called, guess what it leads to? Who we are and what we do. What we're called leads to what we do. For years and years, I played Little League Baseball, then moved up, you know, middle school, high school, college, semi-pro. And in that whole span, I called myself baseball player. Sometimes I like to call myself that today, um, but it's clear once I get out there, it's not the case anymore. But I called myself baseball player because that's, that's what I did. And I went out and I played baseball. Now, when I was youth pastoring, I like to call myself skateboarder sometimes because we had a skateboard ministry. But the truth of the matter, I was skateboard leaner guy. You know, I had my board here and I was at the park and I leaned on it about like this. And that, that was about my skating world. So I really wasn't, wasn't a skater, though I like to use the name. What we call ourselves often describes what we do. What do we do? 1 Corinthians 10.31 says this, So when you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Who's he talking to there? The church. The church of Corinth. And Paul, as he says that, there's like, look, church, believers, people who from the days of Antioch you now call yourself Christians, guess what? Live that way. Do that. Because you carry the title of Christian. So live this way as well. It's what we do. Matthew has some interesting ways he talks about this. Matthew chapter 12. It's not in your notes, but you can write down uh, the verse. Here's what it says. A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. Now that's like a duh thing. We understand that, right? Even if you don't grow fruit trees. 
Then he says this, he gets, he gets kind of serious. You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on Judgment Day for every idle word you speak. It seems like when Jesus is speaking here and he's talking, Jesus is saying really clearly here, hey, what you say is important because it reveals your heart. What you say reveals your heart. Now let's get practical for just a second and see what we're talking about. I wanted to make sure you understood this morning, this is not a sermon about cussing. In fact, God's word never says, here are the words you are allowed to say, uh, and these are profanity words, and they'll not be used. In fact, if you travel around the world at all, you will find there are some words that are profane in one country and not in another country. So we're not necessarily talking about cussing and cuss, uh, cuss words this morning. Now, I would add, it's probably not the greatest thing to have in your vocabulary. doesn't open up a lot of great doors. Plenty of Bible verses that, that would caution us about what comes out of our mouth and how it edifies, very important. So don't necessarily think that I am pushing that all aside and saying it's not important. But what I can tell you is a biblical absolute this morning is how we use God's name, how we speak about God. So we say little things where the word God comes out in anger and frustration, and we know we're probably not using it in this praiseworthy way. Is it a big deal? I mean, come on, Tom, this is, you know, what year are we, 2014? This is, is it really that big? Yeah, it is. It's very important how we speak about God. Why? Because what we say and how we share it, it speaks about our heart. Does that mean you have no love for God in your heart? No, wouldn't say that. There's, there's, there's something there's something there or something missing or some little obstacle that it speaks to our heart. Can I tell you what we're really good at? I think you'll agree with me here. We're really good, myself included, at substituting something we know is real bad for something that's not quite as bad. You know what I'm saying? You know, like, oh my God. I can't say that. Tom's been preaching about that today. Um, that's why. Oh my gosh. Um, and so we'll, just, we'll substitute something in like that because that's, you know, that, that works a little bit better for us. I'm not actually saying the word. But remember what we're starting with today. It speaks to our heart and to our witness. So from a heart perspective, is this any different than this? That's what we're talking about this morning. We're very good at substituting things like that. You know, like, I, I don't know, maybe I, I drink way too much of this Coke, you know, and I just need to get off drinking Coca-Cola, so I'm going to substitute Diet Coke. Now, is one wrong or not? I, I don't know. I'm not a nutritionist in there, but we're very good at substituting period in our lives. And the thing about it is substitution does not draw us closer to the heart of God. It only distracts us in another way. And when God speaks about this one, he's saying, look, look, you don't, you don't even use my name anyway like that. Just, just, come and, just come and be with me. Commune with me. Connect with me. I'm going to share with you uh, another verse. It's in, um, it's in the book of Matthew. Listen to what it says here. You've also heard... Uh, you also heard that your ancestors, you were told, you must not break your vows, you must 
you must carry out your vows you make in the Lord. But I say, don't make any vows. Don't don't say by heaven because heaven is God's throne, or or do not say by earth because the earth is the footstool, and do not say by Jerusalem for Jerusalem is the key, is the city of the great King. Do not even say by my head for you can't turn one white hair or one hair white or black. What's he saying there? He's saying, look, don't swear or make covenant by any other anything like that. Just say yes or say no. Say, look, I follow you, God. I trust in you. I'm with you. Or don't. That's what he's wanting to do here. We often, I think, use God, the phrase God, as an emphatic phrase. We say, look, I'll do that. Man, I swear to God I'll do that. What are we saying? We aren't really saying, I'm making deeper, deeper covenant with the Lord, as the Lord is my witness, and he can strike me. And we're not saying that... We're trying to be emphatic with the person we're talking about. Instead of putting one exclamation point, we're putting three exclamation points down on the paper if it was in written form so that we can be more emphatic. And God said, look, Jesus says, don't, don't do that. Just let your yes be yes. Let your connection be your connection when you say that there. All in all, he's saying this. Is the name of the Lord important? Absolutely, this is important how we use God's name. I mean, maybe this morning you, you would say, look, I'm, I'm kind of guilty. I say OMG, I text it, you know, on there. But I, but I don't mean God. I mean, I mean gosh. I mean goodness, even better, when I say that on there. Yeah. Who would know that, though? Who would know? Um, what's in your heart on that and how we use it is incredibly significant. Let's, let's take a look at this last part. Because uh, if you flip your paper over, and take this to heart, is what we're saying here. It would be really easy for you to walk out this morning if you wanted and just say, well, here's one more legalistic thing the Christian, Christians say we can and can't do. And in a system of just following a list of rules, you, you would probably be right. But in a system that wants to have a relationship with our Creator, you can understand how important it is that we have this this word, this commandment correct. So, take this to heart. A here, uh, retrace your journey to understanding God's greatness. To understand that God, God is incredibly great. It's incredibly great. The greater you think someone is, the greater you'll respect them. Right? Uh, think about it. Who's your, who's your favorite sports hero or movie star? I mean, if you just think they are the greatest thing, the greatest actor, actress, greatest sports hero, all this kind of stuff, um, then when you get around that person, you're going to feel a little you know, nervous and funny because you have this incredible respect for them. Why? Because they can act like something else or they can swing a bat or throw a ball, those type of things. This is your God we're talking about. The greatness and sometimes to get, get reconnected with how great he is. Psalm says it this way, Let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he has done. Here's the second thing you might need to do this morning. You might just need to repent of the misuse of his name, of emptying his name in how you use his name. One time I was uh, coaching a baseball team, and this, of all the baseball teams I've ever had, this was the team that probably was the most horrible in how they treated one another. 
And you know, as Austin said, a, a team that really lifts each other up seems to play better. Well, this is like the opposite of that. And so one practice, I, I actually called them in, and these are college students, okay? And I said, here's what we're going to do this whole week of practice, and I don't care if you like it or not. I'm going to hear 40 positive verbal things that you say to one another throughout this whole practice. I'm going to just count them the whole time. If I don't hear them, they don't count. I'm going 40 this whole practice, and we'll do it every single day. And I don't even care. This is what I tell them. I don't even care if it's right in your heart right now. But I'm going to teach you the practice of saying something good to the person that you're playing next to. I'd love to tell you at the end of the week, you know, it was this turnaround story, and it'd be a great Walt Disney movie and all that kind of stuff, but it, it, it wasn't. I mean, it, but we got through the exercise um, to say we, we just got to recognize that what we were saying was wrong, and we need to start practicing how to do it correct. This morning, you might just need to say, look, I repent. What I was doing is wrong. How I was using God's name was incorrect. And then let God work on you. First John 1 John 1.9 tells us uh, in his word, But if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness there. Third, the, to recommit to being a witness of his, great, of his greatness, his name. I really believe when we talk about how we talk about God, it's one of the clear things that can separate us and our witness and our belief and following of Jesus Christ, or it can make us look exactly the same as anyone else in the world. In our, the way we speak about God, the way we use his name, it is a, a witness to who God is and to his greatness there. And finally, committing to reveal him to the world as Christ did Here's what John 17, 6 says, I've revealed you to the ones who gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Here's what it says in the message version, same birth verse. I spelled out your character in detail. And this is Jesus saying, look, I was like you, God, and how I acted and how I spoke of you, God. And that includes how I used your name, God. And so today, it could be the very same for you, that your witness might come down to the way you speak about God. But I would guess the way you speak about God also pertains to what's going on in your heart with God. And it all work well together. And so that means that as we go to prayer time, as you have your time that... You go before the Lord now and pray. He, God might have hit you from many different angles on this, or maybe one angle that's different than somebody else. And this is your time now as we pray. Just do a little business with God. Just focus with Him and say, Hey, Lord, help me in this area. Forgive me here, Lord. I didn't even realize this here. Thank you for revealing this. Whatever it is, you spend the time in the next couple of minutes as I lead you in prayer. So would you bow with me? I'm going to just give you a few minutes quiet to go before God and speak to Him however you need this morning. Go ahead. Lord, forgive me of the times where I've misrepresented your name. 
Lord, sometimes it's been in, in what my words were, and sometimes it's been in my silence. But Lord, uh, I pray this morning, uh, Father, that that I know for me that I would be one that my witness would be strong in how I describe you as my God. Because I guess, Lord, if I don't describe you well with my life and my words, why would anyone want to follow you in the first place? And yet you still, you still have said, I'll use you, Tom. And so, Father, I'm asking to be used. And I'm also asking to be refined. And Father, I would guess that there's many people in this room this morning that uh, have claimed Christianity for years. And this morning they, they were hitting away and they said, yeah, I, I, I really got to think about that. So Father, you and them this week, just working on this, talking about this, and may the covenant you put before the people in the Old Testament as we read this morning be the same covenant you put before us this morning. Put no other gods before me. Don't make an idol and bow down to it. And Use my name. Use it well. Help us in this area, Lord. And the because, Lord, is because we want to be a light. We want to impact people in our world. We don't want to impact them with our list of rules. Lord, we want to impact them with who you are and how great of a God you are, what you do in our lives. And so, Lord, empower us. For some this morning, it might be their heart that needs to be touched by you. Their heart has been allowed to be infiltrated by all kinds of things, and you've gotten a very small piece. And so, Father, maybe it's a heart this morning, a surrendering of more of the heart and the fullness of the heart. And Lord, for, for, for some this morning, it just could be just habitual. It's just a habit, Lord. It's something they do, and they've never drawn the connection that you've said, no, you're my people. I've called you to be different. And so, Lord, if there be behavior that goes with any of this this morning, I pray right here and now, Lord, if that's, if that's you, if, you, if you're feeling that this morning, that you could just surrender that, repent of that, turn from that, and walk with new behavior here. And it's, it's Christ, it's His Holy Spirit, it's God, it's His power that leads us and helps us to do that. And so, Lord, we pray for great witness and testimony. We pray for other people that will come to know you as their Lord and Savior because we have made commitment to speak about you with greatness. We pray that all in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Well, I appreciate you being here and uh, and hearing a message that's uh, a little harder uh, for us the last couple weeks. So I appreciate that. We're going to continue next week with our 10 series. We're talking about the Sabbath. Now, this is going to be an interesting discussion because in our day and age, the Sabbath sometimes takes on different meaning. We'll talk about that next Sunday morning. would be great. So we're going to take our tithes and offering as we head out um, uh, this morning. Stay faithful in that area, if you would. I want to commend you last week. I mean, you just... I don't know what I got into last week. You knocked it out of the ballpark on your tithes and offerings. So just continue your faithfulness as God's word calls us to in that area. And that would be great. We've got sign-up table for Trunk or Treat over here. We've got our sign-up for the Hope Grows Run next Saturday morning right over here. And all our information for Lot 2540, which is not this coming Saturday, but the next. Uh, all that's going on in the next couple of weeks. So we really want to have you plugged in. So check out those tables and get that information. Why don't you stand with me now and we'll go out singing one more.